X 2028 reads, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Hello, and welcome back to Think This Way. This is the podcast of Faith Bible Church. As always, I am Pastor Bryce, and not as always, I have with me Dan. Brother Dan, thank you for being here, Dan. Well, thank you for having me. I've asked all the elders, can I call you Pastor Dan? You feel comfortable with Pastor Dan? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I'm comfortable with the title, but I really prefer just Brother Dan is really what I prefer. Brother Dan, then. Brother Dan, not everyone knows the life of adventure and exploration that you live. <laughs> we, You've been traveling everywhere. We are glad to have you back with us. We are very glad uh, to be here. Kim and I have spent three weeks away from Faith Bible Church, and that's the longest we've ever been away. Yeah. yeah. Building things, helping people, doing all kinds of stuff, seeing family. But we're glad you're back. And just in time, because as we've been focused on the local church in this podcast, we come to the offices of the local church, and the first of the two offices in the church is the office of elders. And Dan, you are an elder. Whether we call you pastor, we'll talk about that, or elder, or whatever. And so I thought I would just start this podcast by explaining what we mean by the term elder. Dan is going to do most of the talking, and you would know that if you were here because, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. He's got six books <laughs> sitting in front of him. He's going to read long passages from each one to us. <laughs> Maybe not. I hope you brought a lunch. <laughs> Our first 10-hour episode we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but he does have six books, truly. They're sitting out here. Some good ones, The Reformed Pastor by Richard Baxter and even and Church Elders uh, as well in the Nine Mark series, among others. But I thought I would start by just explaining what an elder is, and then I am going to turn this over to Dan with some questions. And so the word elder is a biblical word as we get started here. Um, of course, the New Testament was not written in English. It was written in Greek. So we're actually dealing mainly with some Greek words. There are actually three terms in the Greek New Testament that refer to this one office that we most commonly call elder now. So there is the Greek word presbyteros, uh, which literally just means someone who's older. So that one is what we translate into elder, which in English means someone older, presbyteros. But you can also see it's come over into English in presbyter and then into presbyterian. So presbyteros is an elder. There's a second term, episkopos, which literally and etymologically just means one who oversees. But our English word bishop actually comes from episkopos as well, so an overseer. So we have elder, overseer. The third and final term here referring to this office is poimain which means shepherd. And that word pastor is an English term that has come just from this idea of shepherding, um, like pastoral poetry is shepherds. So pastor is the same as shepherd. So presbyteros, episkopos, poimain, and the verbs that go with them, elder, overseer, shepherd. So in the New Testament, when you see those terms, elder, overseer, shepherd, and then later terms that have come from those like presbyter, bishop, pastor. Interestingly, 
they are all referring to exactly the same office. And I will show you this in one passage, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Notice all three terms are used. So I exhort, Peter says, the elders, that's from presbyteros, among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. So what does he exhort? He exhorts this to the presbyteros, shepherd. That's poimeno, and that is from the same word as poimain. Poimeno, it's like poimain. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So you presbyteros, elders. Poimeno, from poimain, shepherd, the flock of God that's among you, exercising oversight. Episcopeo, from episcopos, or related to episcopos, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. So there in two verses, all three terms referring to one in the same office. Now, what is this office? These were men who were appointed in groups, never just one, but always in groups. We speak of a plurality of elders, which is just a long word that means more than one of them. They were appointed to lead local churches, Titus 1.5. Paul tells Titus, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. There have been a lot of debates about the exact best hierarchy of church leadership, if you will. So there's Presbyterian forms of church government, I should say, Episcopalian, congregational, so forth. We're not really going to get into all of that today. We are led here at Faith Bible Church by a plurality of elders, because that's, at the very least, what's clearly taught in Scripture. So that's my little intro on what an elder is. Multiple men who are called to lead a local church, and they are referred to as elders, overseers, and shepherds in the New Testament. I thought we'd get started as I turn this over to you, Dan, talking about the requirements for men in this office. And there are the two passages of the New Testament that give specifically the requirements for elders, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and Titus 1, 6 through 9. And I thought to get us started, Dan, would you mind to just read those passages for us? Certainly. So from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil." And the other passage from the pastoral epistles is in Titus 1, verses 6 through 9. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. 
He must not be arrogant, or quick-tempered, or a drunkard, or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. What's interesting about those lists is that, with the exception of the able to teach, those lists really lay out what every godly man, and for the most part, with some exception, even godly women, but especially what every godly man ought to aspire to. So, when we're thinking of people uniquely qualified to be elders, what exactly is it that we are looking for? What sets them apart? Well, some some churches, some people make selection by influence, by age, by donations. Some churches have individuals in rotation or present candidates for congregational voting. It's our goal as a fellowship to only appoint elders that God has so gifted and whose gifts are being made manifest in the congregation. The scripture also talks about men being tested. There has to be some period of time where others can witness how these men comport themselves within and without the church, the family, and the watching world. Not only should they have a desire, but the giftedness must not only be the result of their own vain imagination. Others should testify and bear witness that this individual is gifted in specific ways and that their character matches the call. Now, I would add that I do believe it is a necessity of any man to teach in some capacity. We are prophets, priests, and kings. Now, this is some words from an article, 2021, by Greg Morris out of Desiring God. Prophets, as prophets in our homes, we have the great privilege to speak the words of God to our family. We are spiritual shepherds. Too few today know the joys of hearing a father earnestly, joyously, humbly giving voice to the words of God in Scripture. But what many of us did not experience as sons, we can give as fathers, God helping us. Priests, as priests in our home, we get to intercede for our family before God in a heart-stirring account. Everyone's heard about John Patton, John G. Patton, the great missionary among cannibals, recalling his upbringing. And he said this, How much my father's prayers at this time impressed me, I can never explain. Nor could any stranger understand my father's prayers when, on his knees and all of us kneeling around him in family worship, he poured out his whole soul with tears for the conversion of the heathen world to the service of Jesus and for every personal and domestic need. We all felt as if in the presence of the living Savior and learned to know and love him as our divine friend. And finally, as king, which I believe all believers are, again, as prophet, priest, and king, granted to go from being children of wrath to these exalted states as children of God. As king, God has firmly written into the nature of every man to lead, provide for, and defend those in his charge. So, yes, we're talking about elders, but I do want to emphasize that you men who are listening and you ladies that have married men, this is what all men are called to. There's a sense in which it's just the basic standard of 
what a godly life is. Yeah. And then elders are simply called to have attained some degree of maturity. I would even say above normal amounts of maturity in those areas. Uh, and that's kind of guided us when we we're looking like we brought Bob Walther on recently. And for anyone yeah. becoming an elder, we always look through each of those requirements, say, is there any glaring lack? None of us are perfectly this way. So there is some flexibility or you'll never have an elder, but there has to be some degree of maturity. I thought to make this a little more concrete for people listening, maybe Dan, give us a picture when you became an elder here, which was, how long ago was that? Do you remember? How many years ago are we talking? It's about 97, so we're looking at over 25 years. Okay. 26 years now. So 26 years. So I was out of diapers, believe it or not, <laughs> but just barely. <laughs> I might have still been wet in the bed. I don't know. But so 26 years ago. So when, they, so when you were brought in as an elder, what did that process look like? Well, when Kim and I joined FBC, I was 40 years old. I'd been married for 15 years to the same patient wife, and we have had three children. I had been in eldership. Uh, previously, in the eight years that we were in Saginaw, Michigan, and prior to that, a deacon in our church that we helped to start in New Jersey. Well, here, the leadership interviewed me as they were getting to know this new couple, and he asked me how I thought God would have me serve. And I believe that uh, God had called me to be an elder um, and to serve the church avocationally not through my vocation, not through earning money. And so I've not, I believe that I, I best serve Christ without remuneration here. Um, and that's what I've, what I've uh, sought to live by, and especially because of the godly influence of the men that loved me into the kingdom who were elders. I do believe that their example was a big part of my understanding, uh, the goodness and the, the graciousness of our Lord in calling men to that role. So the leadership at the time uh, had me fill out an application, uh, had me get to know people over time. They presented me to the congregation, and then we had an affirming vote after um, the congregation was free to ask me a series of questions. Um, and. That was pretty much it. There was no white or black smoke coming out of a chimney. Uh, no cardinals. No, no cardinals laying down on the ground. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the avocational, the fact that today in the church, there are, uh, in many churches, there are pastors. And it depends on the kind of church someone's coming from, but a typical Baptist church, you may have one pastor at the head, Maybe two, you know, but usually you got one pastor at the head. He's supported often by deacons who are really doing the role of what we're describing as elders today. But and then you, they may have trustees that trustees. do what we call deacons. Yeah, like a board that's sure. helping as well. That, I think what's happening in a lot of those cases, in a lot of those cases, not entirely separate from what we're doing here. It's just you don't find biblical basis for that. The deacons, who we'll talk about next week, have a very important role, but it's not eldering. And I think sometimes in the Baptist tradition, the deacons are basically eldering. And then the pastor is, he's eldering, 
it's it gets a little bit confusing. I think it's important to say, per Dan's point earlier. <laughs> what do you often say, Dan? You're, you, you know, you pay me to be good, but you're good for nothing. Exactly. <laughs> <that> your punchline. <laughs> everybody, everybody knows that. Everybody agrees. Uh, but really, you're following the footsteps of Paul, who was a tent maker who supplied his own needs and then worked using the abilities he had worked beyond that for the church. So when we take someone, like in my case where I'm full-time, so you all, everyone listening, people at Faith Bible are paying me so that I don't work a secular job so that I can devote myself specifically to preaching and several other things, biblical counseling and so forth. I can devote myself to that. But I think it's really important to state that biblically speaking, there are not two roles presented in the New Testament for the paid and the unpaid elder. Uh, there's just that one office, whether someone's paid or not. So I'm a pastor, elder, overseer. Dan's a pastor, elder, overseer. All six of us here who are elders are fulfilling. We're in the, exactly the same role. There's not a difference of authority. There is a sense, I think, in which as the preaching pastor, I should cast some vision. But I don't have like even an extra vote. I have one vote. And that's true for anyone who is an elder. I think that's the New Testament intention of a plurality of eldership is some will be paid if you have the resources, but that's just that's really just to free me up for the role that I'm fulfilling as an elder. It doesn't change the fact that I'm equal to the other elders and we're fulfilling the same role together. Is that right, Dan? Yes, and in, in addition, you know, there are some people that use the term the first among equals. Um, I'm not certain about that, but... I think that there is a a responsibility of mutual submission mm. where we will, yes, we have the authority, yes, we have an understanding of the word, and we'll debate issues, but there will come a time when hopefully we reach all of our decisions in a unanimous method. Mm. But there are times when one might disagree. So there is a need for humility and a need for submission to each other you know, as we all submit to Christ. And I think that's critically important. And I say that especially because some people, <laughs> I think wrongly, when something happens at Faith Bible or they appreciate something that's happening here, I don't know why this is human nature. They'll come and thank me and say, you know, thank you for whatever. Like the Deekmans had this church picnic fellowship yeah, the other night. It's great. And I had nothing to do with it, <laughs> you know, other than saying, like, go, Deekmans, go. I mean, they wanted to do it, and we, the elders approve of it, and I think Justin had some organizing involved, but that's the part of the plurality of elders is I'm the main preaching pastor, and I am involved in a lot of stuff, uh, but if something good's happening here, don't assume I'm responsible. <laughs> it's probably Dan. Probably Justin. It's somebody. Uh, yeah, somebody else. Somebody's doing it, but it's not necessarily me. But I think that's a beautiful picture of what God's designed plurality of eldership to be. And people come from different backgrounds and different churches. And praise the Lord, there are godly saints everywhere within different hierarchical structures, different polities. And, you know, that's that's not a critically important issue. Uh, and if people come from that background, where they may have a church with a different polity, a different organizational leadership. And they come here and they use terms where they'll refer to one person as a pastor and the other people without that title. That's fine. There's, 
the, the title is not important. We're not going to die on that hill. Of, no. It's kind of like church. We talked earlier about the church building, because the New Testament never calls the church building a church, but we do. Mm-hmm. So, but it's such common usage now. I think that's the same with pastor. It's such common usage now. We're not going to beat you up over it. Just be aware that's how the New Testament talks about it. So we've talked a lot about what elders are and even the requirements for elders and that there should be more than one of them. But I thought we'd take a minute here at the end of this episode to discuss what do elders actually do? I'm sure people look at me and ask that question a lot. <laughs> they ask, what do you not well, do, Dan? You're <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> no, no, and uh, thankfully not really. Uh, but, you know, we, when, when we heard from Timothy in the Titus passages, some of what elders do are very clear. First, they must live the Christian life faithfully in all the areas to which God has called them, as a loving husband, as a firm and gentle father, managing and leading. If they're employed outside of the church, they must have a good reputation. With regard to specific duties, again, they must be able to lead by example in winsome hospitality, as we read, to be gentle and respectable, even to those who are disagreeable. They must know people in the congregation, and they must be willing to let themselves be known to the congregation, and have a true shepherding care for them. Protection of the flock from error and from those who would seek to harm God's people is an important, necessary role, especially in the divergent cultures that the church has found itself in. Nurturing and aiding in the growth and maturation, especially of men, and equipping them to do the same in their families. You know, for me, um, I I take it very, uh, very much personally, very much my own uh, mission to if if I'm seeing that someone is not coming regularly to the fellowship, if they're moving away for if they're drifting away, I see my role as an under shepherd to go after. Uh, those who wander um, and the people who are maybe a little uh, different than other people who don't automatically fit in. So for me, that's, that's part of my passion. Now, and that's, that's the beauty of, of what you were saying, Bryce. You have different men, different backgrounds, different demographics, different socioeconomic situations that they come from, and all of them work together like the whole body of Christ. Not everyone is a foot or a hand or a nose or, you know, and that's what God has called us to. Like the other day when you and I were in a coffee shop in town and we were talking, I thought this so perfectly illustrates how God calls different elders for the sake of the good of the body. As we're talking, a very large man with a very big beard walks in. (laughs) I don't know if he had tattoos or not, but this is a big, intimidating fellow, and he's standing in line to get coffee, and I'm talking with Dan sitting at a a table, and Dan looks over, 
and I think makes eye contact with this man and then just gives like a little nod of his fingers. Dan does like, come over here. It says nothing. And I'm like, oh, they know each other. And this large bearded man <laughs> very obediently walks right over <laughs> and you did not know that man. And you just said, that is a nice beard you have. <laughs> and I thought immediately, well, I just thought elders are different from each other. <laughs> Uh, but it's the wisdom of God in that I would never, I would never do that. I'm so glad that you would. It does speak to just the differences where God, and it's, again, plurality of eldership. All of us elders are very different, and it's such a good thing. I didn't ask this to you, Dan, so, and I didn't give you time to prepare for it. Oh, no. So it's a pop oh, quiz. No. Pop quiz. <laughs> We're talking all this time about elders, which the word elders literally means someone who is older. Yes, the original uh, text that you find uh, in the scriptures and then the extra-biblical texts seem to use that phrase for someone who may be old enough to have children who could possibly support them. Mm. However, that's not always the case, is it? As a matter of fact, you see people like young Timothy, you know, who is not, you know, possessing of the hoary hairs of old age. <laughs> but still, God has equipped that individual to be an elder. You had mentioned some of the books, and I want to just give a plug to some of these. You mentioned The Reformed Pastor by Richard Baxter, uh, the book by Jeremy Ryan, uh, Church Elders, which is available through Nine Marks, a book that several of us have really found helpful, Alexander Strauch on Biblical Eldership, uh, the Elders of the Church by Lawrence Eries. Uh, there is a book that's a compilation of different articles on eldership. It's called Shepherding God's Flock. The editor on that is Roger Beardmore, and he has some of my favorite authors, Walter Chantry, a good Reformed Baptist brother, in that. Um, I would recommend that book. Ernest uh, Reisinger as well. And finally, the book uh, which was given to me as a gift, Concerning the True Care of Souls by Martin Bucher, B-U-C-E-R. And if I'm mispronouncing that, I hope the brother forgives me and when <laughs> I get to glory. Dead. I think it's Butzer, but he's Butzer. long dead, so say what you want. Uh, but it's translated by a possible relative of our brother here, Peter Beale. <laughs> so a I would recommend those of you who Beale. are uh, interested in pursuing uh, the calling to consider those books uh, if you need. Uh, see me, I'll be happy to lend them to you as long as you leave a $50 deposit. <laughs> well, someone listening to this right now may not have thought about what it means to be an elder or how churches are governed or what the leadership of a church looks like. Maybe you're more familiar with a different model. Whatever the case may be, may God help us all now by his grace to think this way. Mm-hmm.